and welcome back to another episode of The Advantage. I am your host, Michael Fiddle. Today is Monday, April 10th, and on today's episode, we are discussing that middle zone between the regular season and the NBA playoffs, the play-in tournament. This is going to be a slate breakdown for the first four games that we have lines for. Of course, we don't know yet who is going to be playing between the winner of the 9-10 and the loser of the 8-9 games, but maybe we will get to make predictions on that soon. Notice I say we. Normally, I'm doing slate breakdowns alone, but today I have a special guest joining me back on the pod for the second time. He is the head honcho of Sports Ethos, a consistent capper, the premier ranker of all things fantasy basketball, the big dog himself, Aaron Bruski. Welcome back to The Advantage. Appreciate you being here, bud. Man, that's a hell of an open on multiple levels. It, it, it stands on its own, and then you're also talking very nicely about me. So I, I, I like it all the way around. And <laughs> all, all things, all kidding aside, I can't believe it's been so long since I've been on the show. I love what you're doing here. Uh, love what you bring to the capping world. I've been trying to tell people, like, you guys just don't even know what's going on here with Fiddle. Fiddle is is just by far. By and far, so far ahead of so many folks on what's going on in the game. And um, soon enough, I think people will understand what's what's going on here. It's it's a testament to the quality of the hard work you do, that um, the results are what they are, but just the insights in general. So I really hope that people understand that this is some high-level bleep. And um, <laughs> with that... Um, I, I can't like, wait to talk about this stuff, man. This is, on my this end, is, on my end, exciting. all I hear is all I hear is you could poke and prod me to come on more shows. So I'm certainly going to be doing that, and the audience listening can expect me to keep bugging Brew in his emails to say, "Hey, you want to join this episode? You want to join this episode? Let me know when you want to record again." So expect to get a few more emails from me. But let me just start right there. We're we're at this like end of regular season, beginning of playoffs. The NBA doesn't classify this as either regular season or playoffs. They're kind of stuck in no man's land. So I was just thinking before we get into the slate breakdown of the numbers and these line trends and where our best bets are, like how should we uh, perceive these games? How do you classify these games? Like what if Zach Levine has 65 tomorrow and it's like, is it a, the most scored in an elimination game? Is it a, you know, the most scored in the first game of a playoffs? Is it, in the playoffs, is it a regular season? Like, what is this? Are we just going to have play-in records, which is just, you know, six games every season? How do you classify and, and look at these these games? All of that is very interesting if you're tracking things for, like, a broadcast, if you're tracking, if you're a stats, you know, person that's, you know, there's stats people for, like, every NBA team. It's usually somebody in the media department that's got stat head from basketball uh, reference up and they're trying to figure out this and that and they're delivering it to beat writers and so I actually know people who do that and that's that's all its own thing um that's kind of where I my mind travels when you ask me this but I if this had this question came four days ago or five days ago I probably might have a different answer but when you have teams like the Mavs just tanking out of this this play-in tournament I almost feel like this should just exist in a void like there's no mention of it. There's no records. There's it's meaningless. There's there's nothing here. Even though it's very meaningful. I mean, you know, we've seen eights push ones, you know, more so as time has gone on. You know, the, the league is getting better top to bottom. So 
is that the case this year? I don't know. You know, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, you know, give that some thought. Um, I have given it a little bit of thought. There's some teams with some puncher's chances to do some stuff, but like, it just is, you know, if you're tanking out of this stuff, um, I mean, and then you get like the Minnesota Timberwolves. We'll t- probably talk about them. They're in my mind doing some form of tanking, not having Rudy Gobert play. <laughs> Intentionally or unintentionally? I don't know. I mean, there's a couple angles there, but it's, it's just this, I like the play-in. I like the idea that there's less tanking teams, and I think there are less tanking teams. It, it was probably around like 8 to 10, and now it's closer to maybe like 6 to 8. Um, but at the same time, it's uh, there's something wrong with it. I think it needs to be refactored. I forget the proposal somebody had um, the other day to try to make this a little bit better. Um, but, but something, maybe take out the 10 slot. I don't know. Um, to make it a little bit more meaningful to get in. Um, the bottom of it is just catching too much of the tanking. You know, the 10 seed isn't what it used to be two years ago or whatever. Um, so that's my wishy-washy answer. It just, yeah, it's, a, it's in a I, vacuum. I, it doesn't exist. I kind of think happen. call it a playoff game because if we look at like, I'm like a games played person. I mean, I guess I'm always like betting and tracking things from like a volume perspectives. But like, if you look back and say, okay, you need 16 games to win the NBA championship, or if it's like, oh, you know, the Celtics played in 24 games last season because they had a few seven game series or whatever. I think if like we look back and if a play in team does make a run, I don't know if they ever will make a run. And maybe we look back 10 years from now and we say, no play in team has ever even won a first round matchup, seven or eight, beating a one or two in the last 10 years. This is just regular season, you know, fanciness, right? But I think we should call it a playoff because I'll give them the benefit of the doubt until I'm proven wrong. The increased variance and shooting and totals, everything going up in the NBA, there's more underdogs winning. Um, So maybe it'll happen. We just saw it in March Madness where we had a a nine, a five, a four in the final four. Um, So I think it should be playoffs. I think one day we'll look back and we'll say this this seven seed had to win – you know, twice in the world had to play two extra play-in games and then have a 25-game playoff run. Yeah, sorry to step on you, but New Orleans had Phoenix on their heels yeah. last year. Yep. I mean, it, it was happening. Um, so, I mean, we'll look at it again this year. I, I mean, I already looked at it once, and I ultimately didn't pull the trigger in my betting journal on, on, a, on a heavy underdog to, you know, make it all the way. But there were a couple – you know, that I thought, hey, maybe, you know. I'm not. I think, I think parity in the NBA is ultimately overrated. But I think as time goes on, we, we may be proven wrong. But anyways, these games tip off Tuesday, 730. First one on the board is Heat versus Hawks. Heat 7 seed at home in Miami. We're playing in South Beach. Atlanta Hawks going to Miami. Spread opened at 5.5 at some books, 5 at other books. Total opened at 227 and a half. So current spread is still, I'm looking at FanDuel right now, plus five on FanDuel. The betting splits that FanDuel reports, Brew, this is the first time I've ever said this on the advantage. This is a wild thing for me to see. They are reporting 50% of bets on both sides of the line and 50% of money on both sides of the line and no movement in where that line is. So very hard to get a read on what side to play from a market perspective. I am heavy. My biggest bet on the play-in slate was on the under when it was at 227.5. That was the opening line. 
I saw some 226s in the market at the time. So when a 227 existed on DraftKings and at the time a 226 on FanDuel, I knew that DraftKings would eventually catch up to the market and move it down. So I grabbed the under 227 at DraftKings. That's a little bit of line shopping for you. And then since that has happened, FanDuel has come back up to 226.5. DraftKings moved it down to 226.5 as well. So it seems like the market is settled right there. I don't expect the total to keep moving. I wonder if we see any movement in the spread. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get your read on the five. Five is a very important number. So if you do like either one of these sides, now's the time to take it before it potentially moves to four and a half or five and a half because we know five is the most common NBA spread that results in a push. So if you end up getting a plus four and a half, you know, then you're you're losing your chance to push. If you end up getting a minus five and a half, then you're losing your chance to push on a very common number. So this five is actually important right now where it sits. Brew, what is your read? Heater Hawks, any best bets on the spread here? Yeah, actually, I, I moved early on this and I put it in the wager pass. Um, and I guess uh, we'll give one out for free, I suppose, uh, since I'm talking about it right now. Uh, Hawks plus uh, five and a half was my play. And there's a little bit of, you know, I'm, I'll just say this. I got I had a great 60% year last year in the playoffs, but I started off badly in the plan. And it pissed me off to no end because as I was watching the plan, it just didn't have some of the competitive elements that I thought it was going to have, like um, Charlotte just like rolled over, you know, and I, I don't know, I think I played them, but I just recall there being just like kind of some of the stuff I was talking about before, a little lack of excitement for the games itself. And that won't be as much of an issue. I don't think for Miami, I mean, Miami gets the, the prestigious sort of the, the culture and, and Eric Spolster just had a huge write up in the athletic about his, um, you know, what he brings to the table. And, and I'm a very much a believer in, in a lot of that. And, um, but I think it's a little overdone with Miami. I, I've noticed them really taking a, not a long view, but maybe a realistic view of their chances as a, um, you know, competitor. And I think at the end of the day, they feel like they can punch with anybody, but that gets a little dicey, you know, like punch with anybody, is also, you know, like a cousin of, we don't really care if we lose this game, you know, that just means that we get vacation sooner is, is what I think we might see in a couple different um, series uh, in the play on playing this year. Um, so, um, you know, if there isn't any slippage, we're just talking strictly X's and O's with Atlanta and, and Miami. And if there is any slippage, I think it's on the Miami side. I think Atlanta has already dealt with their internal drama um, that it occurred throughout the first third half, maybe two thirds of the season. And then you bring in Quinn Snyder. And if he wasn't here, they would be the team that we'd be looking at as possibly looking at one, two, three Cancun. I think <laughs> they're trying to build something yep. for it, Atlanta. And I think that the Quinn Snyder arrival was a relief to a lot of players there who didn't really know what was going on with coaching, what was going on upstairs with their you know, much reported on drama internally. And now they're finally at the end of that. You know, this is the first step of the next chapter of their organization. So they're playing with house money, but they're probably more focused. And uh, then when you look at them, I do have the Hawks as 
This team I was sort of tempted to throw some some cash on, um, at least to get out of the East. Um, they've gotten pretty far, this this kind of version of them. I think the Clint Capella and Yucca Kongwu tandem at the big man slots has some interesting, you know, matchup capability against like a Milwaukee and Giannis. Um, against Miami, they've got, you know, Bam Adebayo, who I'm not a huge Bam guy, um, but I think at least Capella can keep Adebayo from just being destructive, you know, with his physicality. I'm not worried about the offense. I'm not really worried about Adebayo defensively even so much. I just look and I see the Hawks have a great uh, tandem at center to deal with that. And then as you go down roster and you look at Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, uh, even acquisitions like Sadiq Bey, some of their younger players, I think they match up quite well with Miami, X's and O's wise. The one guy that I have a question uh, if, if they'll have anything uh, for him is Jimmy Butler, who is obviously the Heat's go-to guy. Uh, he's played that role all year. He's taken the requisite time off to be able to do it effectively. Uh, he'll get time off going into this game, and they'll definitely go to him. Um, but Kyle Lowry is cooked. He might not even play. Who knows? Um <laughs> You know, some of the I other completely guys. agree. Lowry is cooked. Gabe Vincent wanna, is I cooked. I want to throw in there. Yeah, he, yeah. I thought he was going to be someone. You know, last last year at this time, I would have been saying, "Let's see where let's see where Gabe Vincent lands on the you know, Brew 150 next season, right? Like let's let's see where this guy is. If Lowry's cooked, then this guy might be the point guard of Miami. Vincent uh, he, seems cooked too. He he was that did not pan out. Decently up there, you know. It, 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 his stats that's not great for fantasy in some respects, but he was up there. But he 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 was in a position. Everybody needed him. They really needed him, and he, to his credit, played. But he's playing with a bad knee that he can't get anything out of. You know, he can gear it up and have like one big game, uh, but the next three, he's just out there as a body. Like they they don't trust Duncan Robinson you know, or any of the other guys, you know, deeper into the roster. And they're like, Gabe, can you just go out there and give us 30 minutes and not screw up? And and that's been the play for them. So they're screwed at point guard, you know, bottom line. Yep. And I came away from this game wondering why they were even favored. Uh, and the guard the play, it might just be the home court advantage. The guard play is where Atlanta thrives too, right? Like that's where they're going to do the combination of Murray and Trey Young to elite ball handling score first shot creators can create their own offense. And for others, that's what you need in half court offense in the playoffs. So the heat's half court offense has been atrocious. I think the more we talk about, it, I'm going to ride with you. The more I look at the live odds too, there's still a plus five and a half available at MGM. The rest of the market has moved to five. So I think generally the, the smart play is on the Atlanta side. The market has pretty much moved this from five and a half down to five. Wouldn't be surprised at all to see this go to four and a half. So I would, I would grab Hawks plus five right now if you can. Um, one other question for you here, Brew. We generally correlate underdogs with unders. I mean, if you just think logically speaking, if there's less points scored in the game, then it's easier for a dog to stay within their point total. If it's a ton of scoring, it's easier for the favorite to cover the spread. There's simply more outcome combinations that work for a favorite to cover a large spread if there's more points scored. Do you agree with going the under direction? Now it's at 226.5. Would you have any play there? I'm on the under 227.5. My only hesitation with that is if you think if it's going to be a Hawks-type scripted game, then Hawks are generally an over team when they win, right? So 
it's like how do we balance the dichotomy of generally we correlate unders and underdogs the market is moving under but the hawks if it is their team that their kind of game it's an overplay is it just fading just miami's ability to score is maybe the right play miami's team total under because you'll get slightly more than half the line because they're going to be the favorite i think that might be a pretty smart play that might be a smart play but i i really think if you kind of painted this perfectly like the the one scenario where the under doesn't hit is if it becomes a hawks game miami starts chasing and and then the refs the refs are so huge and and, and i you might have more data on this than i do um i just have anecdotal data i i feel like 80 percent of the first round games come out physical and they don't call fouls and then another 20 percent there's the 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 everything's a foul and both right. teams live at the line and it's just trying not to get burnt on that 20% because it really, when you look at these numbers, it almost always feels like, oh yeah, that's going to be under. Oh yeah, that's going to be under. And then it's the one that of course you go big on that uh, for whatever reason, it turns into a foul competition and um, that's the Trey Young game. Yeah. And Jimmy course. Butler, I'm saying you have two players yeah, who are but, but, elite exactly. at getting to the line and elite efficiency once they are at the line. I think that this, this team Miami is going to want to muck it up. And yeah. play physical. And if they come out and play physical and you start to see Trey Young coming off those screens and jumping sideways into defenders and the refs just swallow it, then it's going to translate to the rest of the game. And I think you start to see sort of a brutal, grinded out um, match, which is fine, I think, for Atlanta in terms of the side bet. Um, they still have enough scorers that can get the job done. Um, but to your point about can you can you slice that in half and, and take Miami under? I, I think that's that's a, a nice play. That's a very smart play, although I do like the under itself, all by itself. Um, what I'm hearing right now, maybe for the listeners to translate Brewski's English to different type of gambling English, look at uh, live gambling odds. Wait for the first six minutes of this game to play out. Understand that the live line is going to be anchored to the opening total in the first six minutes, not going to move too drastically based on whatever's happening. If you're seeing a lot of early foul calls, jump in on the over. If you're seeing things get physical and no whistles being blown, then ride your under and jump in with it. So maybe if, if that is because we have the Jimmy Butler, the Trey Young, the efficiency of both these teams, the shooting chops around it on the Atlanta side, um, maybe we maybe we see that as a live play. I love it. Uh, this is why you listen to this show, folks. You're getting you're getting like five different angles on how to win. <laughs> well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Definitely think they're good bets. Hopefully, they'll be winning bets as well. Second game on Tuesday, Tuesday night is Minnesota Timberwolves. Whatever oh them show up God. to LA in LA in the uh, what is it? The Crypto Center, Crypto, crypto Arena, playing against the Los Angeles Lakers. Line opened on DraftKings at six and a half. Line opened on uh, FanDuel at seven. I grabbed the minus six and a half immediately. I've talked on this show many a times. Seven, I talked, we said five is the most common spread that pushes. Seven is the most common outcome for NBA games. Because if, of course, you think about where, if, when late game fouling happens, then you think 
at a seven-point game, it is a three-possession game. So a team might foul when you're down six with 30 seconds left. They might foul when you're down five with 30 seconds left, and then you get free throws to a chance to get it to seven or eight. But when that is a seven-point game with 40 seconds left, teams generally forego the foul. Maybe in the play-in tournament, since everything's an elimination game, they're going to play it out till the end, and maybe these key numbers could be ticked up a little bit. I wouldn't uh, feel too badly about that angle. But we know seven generally in NBA games, the single most common outcome. It has now moved through the seven at every sports book. It is Lakers minus seven and a half because we do have official word. I, I, I don't think this is too much related to the money coming in. I do think it's more related to Gobert being out, um, McDaniels being out, and the Lakers coming into this game with home court advantage and healthy. On the flip side of that, the total opened at 231.5, flashed down to 230, has ticked back up to 231. So we have a bouncing total, certainly mixed messages in how this is game going to be played from a pace perspective. Maybe with Gobert out, that's why it ticked back up. I wouldn't be opposed to that. You know, he's definitely a black hole on offense and an anchor on defense. So you would expect more scoring with Cat playing the five and the Timberwolves playing smaller. Are the Lakers able to take advantage of that? My only bet on this game as of now is on the Lakers minus six and a half. Don't have anything on the total. I don't think I'm going to get overly invested this game in either direction. Brew, how are you feeling? Any best bets here? Any angles it's, that you like? Uh, yeah, it's, it's red flags for this game. Yep. I mean, you got a lot of things going on. I mean, if you want to put on a tinfoil hat and talk about what the league cares about. You know, the, the Lakers advancing would be uh, high on the, the tinfoil hat list. Um, but look, like, okay, let's let's talk Gobert. I, I think Gobert and Cat together is just not good, obviously. Um, so the idea that you remove one of them, however they get removed, might actually be a good thing. Yeah, I think, know, I think not good is the nicest way you could say it. Yeah, that was, I was bending over backwards for that. <laughs> and... Uh, so it's like, okay, part of me is like, oh, yeah, man, let's get in on Minnesota. And then you take away McDaniels, and I'm like, oh, crap. Like, McDaniels is the perfect player to have on the team you want to win or the outcome you want because he's not gathering a lot of attention and he's impacting the game so well. Um, him being gone, uh, I don't know that he has a player to guard in this series. So that's the counter to the counter in my thinking. And now I'm like five levels deep in inception and I'm already going, okay, there's a lot of red flags here with this game. Um, Cause Los Angeles is really, I mean, they don't play smart. Like I, I, I like your line, the one that you got. Um, I, I think that Minnesota, for example, like if they didn't have Mike Conley, I would just be out here, especially if it was like D'Angelo Russell, I'd just be out here guns blazing saying, look, these guys do not want to stick around. They want this season to be over with. They don't like Rudy Gobert. And that's the other thing here. I really don't think they like Rudy Gobert. Clearly like, not. I think, yeah, I think, I think, I think I mean, Kyle Anderson see, pretty clearly said you're a bitch. Yeah. Well, and did you see, um, um, losing his, his name right now? My, my, my guy, um, Torian Prince? Uh, yeah, Torian. Like, I, that's he, the first thing I noticed is him pop it, up and shove Gobert. How fast was he on the shove? Like, yep. He was like, don't touch our guy. And, and then you could see Cat look up in his eyes, and then Cat goes with the, man. <laughs> and that's saying something because Cat is – Cat's a guy like, you know, like you kind of watch how, you know, his pops operates and 
you know, it's like this brash bravado, but like doesn't want to do the little things to make it work. Um, and you, you look at all the holes in kind of his, his game and, and in terms of both mental and physical and, and cat is like, uh, uh-uh, this guy ain't it. And he was brought in under such crappy circumstances, like worth four draft picks and just, the the history even in Utah I, I I don't know what's going on with Rudy Gobert I'm not sourced enough to be able to speak on that but there's something that's pissing his teammates off over yep. and over again yep and so that's another thing like okay now he's gone we're gonna play like we want to play we don't want to have to wait for Rudy Gobert to be the guy that we you know think he could be or should be now we're gonna play with cat and we're going to play fun and we're going to play loose and nobody believes in us. And, 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 and we're going to put, hit. and we're going to have AD be on cat and then bring cat out to the three point line, which is going to draw AD away from the basket and open up more space for a guy like Ann Edwards. Things like that oh, are going to, this, yeah. this matchup definitely just got trickier. I actually think if we invoke the great Dan Besbris, he likes to, when a star player is, I don't know if we're still calling Gobert a star, but he likes when a star player is ruled out and the line moves because of it. He likes oh, to yeah. take the plus points on the other side. He likes to say, uh, I don't uh, think Gobert is worth the one point. I actually think, like, if we're talking it through right now, Gobert might be a minus one, right? Why is he being a plus one to the line, right? So so if this actually goes the other way, then you're getting a, a swing of value here. So uh, I'm on the six and a half. So I do have one point of CLV. It is a very low exposure play for myself. Uh, not going to be adding any escalators, not going to be adding any totals plays here. The minus 335 money line that it's currently at right now, if you did like to play into Brewski's, the NBA wants to see the Lakers advance. The NBA would love to see the Lakers versus uh, the Grizzlies in the first round series to let that Dylan Brooks, Shannon Sharp rivalry continue <laughs> to bud. Um, is Jaron Jackson Jr. the next AD? Is is Ja the next face of the oh. league or LeBron? Like there's so many baked in storylines that are happening right now. The 335 money line correlates to a 75.3% implied probability that the Lakers are going to win. So if you can come up with a justification that it is above the 75.3%, then I would go ahead and bet the money line. Maybe you don't want to take the seven and a half now that it's moved through the seven. I talk about that a lot on the podcast, that once it's moved through a key number, you could still follow the steam, but not be impacted by that key number and just pay a little more for the money line. You don't have to essentially put three units to win one. You could still put one unit and just bring home less return. So that's certainly an angle for this game Anthony as well. Edwards scares the crap out of me. Yeah, I mean, if I, 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 ever since I, we saw that movie Hustle, it's like, oh, this guy's a dog. He's a, he is, and he's he's the best player on that team. He's been the best player on that team pretty much since he showed up in the building, and he's going to get a chance to shine now. I, I the Mike Conley thing, I might flip it around. I like look. I think strategically, the the Lakers minus six and a half is the play here. But like, if you told me like, hey, do a one unit bet, gun to your head, who you're going to take? I'd just take the points. Yeah, just and now you get it at seven and a half. Yep. Yep. Um, let's go over to Wednesday, Brew. I yes. know the first game. I actually saw your pick for this one. I'm excited to duke it out here because I actually think we're head to head here with good, one good. of my that, best that doesn't make bets. me feel good, but good, good. <laughs> <laughs> with one of my best bets of the uh, play. Oh, the best bet? Oh no. <laughs> yeah, I I love this one. It is the Raptors versus the Bulls. Line came out at Raptors minus four and a half. I hopped in the Ethos wagering Discord channel in full caps 
Raptors minus 4.5. Go, 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 go. One unit. Grab the under 216. Go, 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 go. It is now at Raptors minus 5. It is now at over under 214 and a half. So we are clearly seeing Toronto Raptors steam come in. We are clearly seeing under steam come in. So I've gained some nice CLV in both of those spots. The betting splits are showing 65% of the bets and 65% of the money. Ready for this, Brew? On the Chicago Bulls. So when I see the market going from minus 4.5 to minus 5, which on the same side is taking the Bulls from a plus 4.5 to a plus 5, the market is getting better for the Bulls. The market is inviting more Bulls backers into the – they want to take your Bulls money. They want to increase the handle that the book has on the Bulls. To me, this is what I absolutely love to see in the NBA, reverse line movement. It is the house taking a position against the public market and saying, give us your Chicago money. And when I see that happening – I always go the other direction and say, side me with the house. Give me the Raptors. I jumped in at minus 4.5. I certainly do not mind the minus 5. I think Toronto has a great home court advantage here. I think uh, the the only way that the Bulls pull off this game is they hit a high-variance shooting and shoot their threes, and that's going to be a 65-point Zach Levine game that it'll take. Um, but on the flip side, Toronto has the best defense to close out on three-point shooters. They have the, one of the best defensive scheming coaches in Nick Nurse. Uh, I love the Raptors in this spot. Brew, I saw you on the Bulls. Mm-hmm. I think you're going down like Benny here. Talk to me uh, yeah, about why, hey. you, why your initial read was the Chicago Bulls. Uh, I, this could be a little bit of a public point of view. Um which I don't know. You're better with the the, the terminology and, and deep into the trenches of the gaming market. Is is I'm a little bit of a public myself, um, but the uh, I, I I did have a, a friend that was deep into the gaming world that referred to people as publics if they didn't know what they were talking about. Yeah, um, I call them uh, hooligans. I think publics too nice. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, no, and, and this could be a public point of view is that uh, Nick Nurse is really. I mean, it feels like he's gone. Oh, that's not public. That's that's actually insider NBA knowledge. He is the Houston Rockets' next head coach. I, I, that, I, yes, yes, and yes. Um, and that could work both ways. You know, that could work in in the hey guys, it's the last hurrah. You know, let's just go out there and, and and just play with our house money and see what we can do. I think more times than not, it turns into everybody's just kind of on their own agenda, and how that manifests will be different in each situation. But our guys covering for each other. How's the shot distribution? Am I going to play through an uh, injury and all of that, you know, that, that connectivity that you need for winning. And what I wrote about in the wager pass was how the, the bulls have been through sort of the reality that their situation stinks. Like they're, they're not for the next two to three years, really, they have zero chance of doing anything worthwhile, you know, and what are they going to do with their, contracts and their decisions and, and it all sort of surrounds Zach Levine's unfortunate knees. Like he's and just Lonzo's. Yeah. And Lonzo's just sort of like all the way going. They need to do and, some of that Chicago cold exposure. Yeah. If he could, if he, <laughs> I, he's, man, I mean, yeah, it was like, we knew he was cooked before this year started. And I think they knew he was cooked before this year started. So like these guys have had their, you know, Zach Levine versus DeMar DeRozan. And by the way, DeMar DeRozan is really in a tough spot against this team. Same with, I mean, I, I wrote this as like on paper, Toronto is 
by far the better team and by far, you know, the favorite in this thing. But just going back to the idea that these guys have been so unhappy, like two out of the last three years, and this year never coming up big, it feels like, always just sort of having this internal struggle about who's the guy. And it comes back to like Pascal Siakam, you know, super efficient a lot of the time, but do you really want to give him the ball as much as they give it to him? Fred Van Vliet, he's also been dealing with his own knee stuff. And he thinking, I got to get my shots. And it's just like every single one of those guys thinks they should get more than they're getting. And that has just colored the entire uh, way that they've performed all season. I kind of feel like they just want to end it right now. And uh, then when you do get to some of the X's and O's stuff, I like a lot of, um, you know, what's going on. Uh, Vucevic and Pirtle will kind of play to a draw. Um, but like Pat Williams and, you know, um, Alex Caruso, I think these guys are going to impact winning a lot more than folks give them credit for. And if you can get into a situation where Toronto starts having trouble running what they want to run. So, you know, the Siakam spin move stuff, um, you know, with Anunoby, if you get him sort of taking isolation jumpers and, um, you know, it's kind of on down the list. Each guy has their own foil. I think that the personnel is there for Chicago to do that. So this is for me, man, I wish I had, I'd, I'd, I'd had the, uh, the info that you gave me because I would probably have dropped my, um, my play down to a one unit play. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I got bulls plus five, um, from DraftKings and, uh, one and a half units there. I, I feel like it's going to be a motivation slash connectivity play where Toronto doesn't have that. And Chicago has just enough ammo to keep up with those guys and uh, so I'll take the five points. Let me ask you one question from all that, bro. We talk, you, talk, you, you started this out with Nick Nurse seemingly on the outs. If Billy Donovan loses this game, do you think he's gone? Um, it's certainly possible. Um, and and that's, that's one thing I didn't mention. I think Billy Donovan has had the pulse of this team for like the last I think months. he's a really good coach, too. I think he's a really underrated coach. I think he would probably get picked up by somebody in the near future uh, if he was let go. I wonder if Chicago – Chicago's kind of a cheap franchise. I wonder if they uh, don't want to pay multiple pay coaches. Coach. Yeah. I, I, I don't they, know what they the get contract blown out, is there. If they get blown out and then there's a personality dispute. But but I really think that they might just dismantle it. And that might actually be the, 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 the predication for getting a new coach is to go get a tanking coach essentially. Right. You know like really go down the ladder and, and, you know, that seems to be the trend in the NBA right now is to do that. Um, but if they show well in this game advance, maybe get seven, get, get a seven game series somehow. Yeah, maybe that, that to me would represent that they're going to have at least a shot at doing something good. They got to like get to like the four to six range over the next year or two, and then have the ability to have some bad money come off the books and then go out and try to pick, another player up and maybe deal with Zach Levine, who's got more name value than uh, actual juice at that yep. point in time and make the yep. pivot that way. Honestly, the, the, the bulls need to trade Levine before the wizards trade Beal because <laughs> they're so similar in what they bring to a team and where their contract yep. is in the years and the package. And once the first one happens, 
the rest of the league is going to kind of go bare, realize that wasn't the smart play. And then yep. it's going to drive down the value of the next guy. So if yeah. I were any, if I was the Bulls, yeah. I'd be trying to uh, get off Chef's Levine this summer. And I don't think, right I don't think Levine would be too upset about that himself. So a lot of people who are, you know, might have just wanted to end the season regardless. So maybe, maybe uh, scale I, down. I, now, now I can't there. wait to watch this game. Exactly. Right. I, I no love one's going to no want to play. There's very few people when they're on the opposite side of a, of a projection or a prognostication that I get fearful. It's you, Bespris, like uh, in fantasy, be like Mike Panador, um, Mike Pasador. Uh, the uh, it's 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 good though. Like these are the matchups I look forward to. Is when when I'm up against you guys, and uh, <laughs> the other ones I don't care. Well, I might have broken my cardinal sin. My cardinal sin is don't be rooting for you know the team more than the team itself. So if Nick Nurse is kind of on his way out and game scheming, and my part of my thing is this coaching advantage and defensive advantage goes Nurse, then I might be playing into the wrong angle. I might be over here watching the game like going crazy, and Nick They've Nurse is like mellow on the too. sidelines, like get me to Houston. Yeah, they 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 they've been dude. They did they did a good job against Chicago as well. So yeah. it's like, I get yeah. it. I get it. Like I'm out there on, I'm on my own on this one, but I'll take it. I think <laughs> you're with, you're with 65% of the betting public, but I would say, I, hate that. I would say some, I hate exactly. It. I would say that it's almost scarier in itself. Okay. The last game is actually from two tanking coaches who have emerged as actually very good NBA coaches. We have the nine ten Wednesday night game, Oklahoma city thunder going to new Orleans and taking on the Pelicans. Mark Dagnall versus uh, Willie Green, two coaches that I do think we're going to see pretty high up, top five, maybe both in the top three for coach of the year ranks this year. Um, this spread opened at Pelicans minus four and a half. We are uh, seeing that being brought out to Pelicans minus five and a half. I grabbed the minus four and a half and love it. We saw the over under open at 231 and a half and start trending down. I also grabbed the over, I mean, I grabbed the under correction under want to make that clear at 231 and a half it's now at 228 so i'm clearly on the both sides of the correct market on this one the splits brew this one's interesting too they've, they've actually all been pretty interesting 62 percent of the bets are on okc but 50 percent of the money is on both sides of the line so if you think about that that means the people who are betting the bigger bucks are backing the new orleans pelicans it means the Public side is the Thunder side catching the points. Maybe people are using that for parlay legs and taking the plus money 184, but there is more public tickets on OKC than there is money. The bigger money is on the Pelicans. That's why we're seeing the line move out. We know that these books aren't always moving the lines based on any random better. They track certain betters. So they've moved the line in accordance with the people and the big money that's come in on the Pelican side. So I think the market is clearly saying Pelicans minus five and a half. Of course, moving through that five, we've now lost that push factor of how common the push outcome is on the number five. So it might be worth playing a money line if you're concerned about the points. In the NBA play, and I would be less concerned about that, the point I brought up earlier with the fact that um, there's going to be more late game fouling because it is an elimination game for all parties, then you can probably see it get pushed out a little further. The total moving from 231.5 down to 228 
does make me a little more worried. I don't like to see a total climbing down while a spread is pushing further out. So if I was going to play either one of these angles at this point, if you're coming in with a blank slate on this game, I would either choose playing into the minus five and a half or into the under 228 because those are inversely correlated. I have the minus four and a half and I have the under 231 and a half. So I, I really like both of those tickets being on the right side of the market. And certainly it's easy to cover a four and a half at a 231. Harder to cover five and a half at 228. Brew, talk to me about what you're seeing in this game. Any best bets, New Orleans Pelicans at home taking on the Thunder? Mm, man, you know, how, how, who would have thought after watching the Pelicans last year in the playoffs that we would be concerned about them covering four, five, six, seven points against the Oklahoma City Thunder? Can I take you one further? Who would have thought after they were the one seed in like December or January oh. rolling with Zion that they'd be in the 9-10 game this year? Well, what, I mean, I think I tweeted and maybe we talked last time we were on a show together about how much we liked or I liked at least the uh, the Pelicans to win it all as a ticket. Yeah, like I have a future and, on uh, Memphis. And, and it was funny because I was like, I really like the idea of getting even more value on these teams. But then it got really bad in New Orleans over the last third of the season. And, you know, um, Willie Green, like you're, there is so much anti Willie Green sentiment in New Orleans right now. It really? Is, yeah, it is. It is really there, and they're they're so, and yeah, you see this out of every, every fan base, but it's also like coming from certain media that they start to echo things that they've heard either from other media and you know from inside the building. It just reeks a bad franchise. Let's just cut to the chase. Like the the ownership has had some sort of issue corralling the Zion situation. And then Brandon Ingram was missing games. And it was really, to me, it felt like Brandon Ingram's like, okay, so like this franchise kind of sucks. This is just me spitballing here. This franchise kind of sucks. And Zion's doing Zion stuff. And he's just like taking the entire years off and he's protecting his future and his bottom line. And he may, he might not even be here in a little bit. So you guys want me to push through this foot injury right now? Uh uh, I'm going to make sure that my foot is healthy and I'm going to wait as long as I can. And then you see a story come out of the New Orleans paper, the New Orleans Times Picune. And these stories don't come out without something happening in the background where they were saying internally sources in New Orleans were frustrated with Brandon Ingram and his timetable. And it's like that story just kind of went away like they, um, you know, like it never happened. And it's a soft media market in the in sense that like most outlets are generally favorable to the team or it's, you know, fans and, you know, other people sort of doing the media thing. They don't have a lot of hard hitting journalism, you know, coming out of that joint so they can control the message. Um, then they lose a bunch of games and it doesn't feel like they've got much strategy, but that also comes down to the players involved. I don't know if that's on Willie green. I watched them try to run Brandon Ingram at Kessler Edwards against the Kings over and over again when it was so clear that Ingram couldn't get around him, couldn't elevate over him, couldn't push through him. And that they needed these were must-win games and it just tells me that there's not a lot of stability that um, you know they they they're just sort of kind of going to default motions. You know, I, I, I'm Brandon Ingram. I think I can beat these guys, so I'm going to do it myself. Um, C.J. McCollum's taking a lot of bad shots, um, not just that game, but just in general over the last, say, three weeks. And you look also elsewhere in the roster. They, they don't have 
Jose Alvarado. This guy's been huge for them in the playoffs. Yep. And so that's like all the bad stuff, right? Herb Jones just did not take the second year leap that everyone was expecting. He was an overperformer in year one. He's probably taken a slight step back. I mean, with Trey Murphy's certainly better than expected, but that's not filling the hole of Zion not being there. CJ worse than he was on the Pelicans this year than at the end of last year. Alvarado being the heart and soul of that team is now missing. Uh yeah, and Herb taking a slight step back. I, I, I'm I'm actually with Herb. I, I feel like he's just got – this was like one of those screwed up years. Every time yep. he got on the court, he got injured and then had It to doesn't concern off. me long-term with Herb, but I just did – it wasn't the it, it pissed second-year jump that I, everyone I was Herb, expecting. I had Herb everywhere you yeah, know, in, right, in fantasy exactly. leagues. And it was, it was painful to watch just like the end of the year where he's really stepping into – some of the stuff that we've seen in the past. And um, and then to to his credit, Trey Murphy has been lights out. Now, let's let's get to this game here. Um, Herb Jones against SGA is about as good as it gets Yep. in terms of a defensive matchup. That alone should trouble any, any Thunderbackers because once you shut that down, you know, you're three quarters of the way there uh, against the Thunder. Um, the the, the Jalens, um, you know, for Oklahoma City – especially Jalen Williams, that's um, the next sort of go-to for them, unless you want to call Trey Mann or Josh Gideon. I'm concerned about both uh, Giddy and Mann in, um, you know, really any high-leverage competitive situation because I just don't think they're going to beat their guys enough to make it matter in a playoff setting. Um, and then defensively, I don't think Giddy can hang almost anywhere. Um, so they're really going to be short personnel wise against this team um you know what what, what are they going to do with Jonas Valanciunas that is like, that is where I was going to go that's the matchup I I see Sorich is Dort. playing I see Dort on Ingram I see Herb Jones mm-hmm. on SGA I see the battle net neutral between the two maybe one of them comes out crazy efficient and and changes things but I see the real breakdown is the fact that CJ can be an isolation creation guy in a big playoff game. He's been there before. He's done it before. And then JV is another veteran who is just so much bigger than anyone OKC can throw at him. And he knows how to dominate a game. This is like, has a Jonas Valanciunas 22 and 15 game written all over it to me. Oh man. Which is why it's a, which is why it's a Pelicans and underplay. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I, I, so I'm actually really excited about this. I hadn't looked at this line yet. Um, when I saw it, I, I kind of started asking myself, what am I missing here? Because I, I really do think that New Orleans, especially with some of the expectations they have, and, and Zion's not in the building. That's huge. Like this team, like, yeah, they're better with Zion, and, and he can be an unstoppable player. But it is absolutely frustrating when everything is about this one guy, and he can't come in and get his weight under control. You know, long yeah. term, and he can't time. recover from a hamstring in a hamstring strain in it, three and a half months. It, those things are tricky, but like, come on, man! Like, yeah, we, tricky in the NFL when we're talking week to week and whatever. But three yeah. and a half months, we don't see people miss, you know, twelve NFL weeks with a hamstring strain. We no, see them go, you no. know, one or two, There's or maybe try and play on it in the third and have a setback. But like, come on, like this is. This is this something is going concerning. on with that franchise. So he's out of the room, right? We're playing not, yep. not really house money, but we're we're playing to show everybody that we're still the team that pushed, you know, Phoenix 
in, in, in the playoffs last year, that team yep. that was the best record in, in what the NBA, you know, at one point in time this season, they, they have that. And I do believe in Willie green as a, at least a middle of the pack coach, like yep, for sure, definitely middle of a pack coach. And I do like Dagnall, um, you know, in Oklahoma city. And, and these guys are also going to have the no respect card and they're going to, nobody believes in us. And, and they've done it all year. They've beat teams all year long. Um, but this one with the, the coverage on SGA, like you're going to take away my offensive engine and then tell me that the, uh, the thunder are going to keep up. Uh, uh-uh, I can't do it. So thunder this off season need to go get a plethora of shooters to go around those around Giddy and SGA and, and, and at least one really big, strong dude. Like, yep. Yeah, so like put next to Chet, put Chet at the four and make him your Mobley who can, you know, switch mm-hmm. out and also knock down a mid range or knock down a three. I think Chet's going to be very, very, very good personally. Yeah, it's going to be, I, I'm, I'm really, it's great that the team that stacked all those draft picks got good so early because yep. it goes counter the narrative that they're tanking. They're, they, they are, like, let's be real, but they're also being very smart with their acquisitions. And you want to hear, give it a, can I tell you something awesome about what OKC did in terms of being smart with their acquisitions? Sure. This one's a really cool little basketball nugget for all, all the NBA fans that are still listening to this 50 minutes in. Um, the Thunder took Jalen Williams with the 12th pick, and they took Usman Jang with the 11th pick. They traded up for the 11th pick and selected uh, Jang with that pick, even though they knew they wanted Jalen Williams first. Now, why would they do that, bro? They had the right intel. They knew so, they, could, they could satisfy all their goals. There was, there was two things simultaneously happening. One, they wanted to make sure that the team at 11 didn't take their guy, who they really wanted at 12, right? So they so they traded for the pick so they couldn't get leapfrogged. They didn't want anyone else trading for that pick either and taking their guy. Then they selected the guy that they actually didn't want because sometimes draft night trades fall through in the physicals, in the, in the aftermath of it all, and everything is down to the minute on draft night trades. So there's a chance the trade would have fallen through and the player that they would have selected at number 11 would have been returned to the original team or like somehow been reversed or, or renegotiated. And so they waited until they selected Jalen Williams. They took the pick, tried to secure it anyways, then burned the pick on someone else that they admittedly liked, but not as much, and then secured the pick with 12, which was their own pick, and said, okay, there is no way this is not going anywhere, and secured and said, there's no shenanigans happening now. We have Jalen Williams. Very smart organizational move and a cool insider NBA nugget. Yeah, that's that's great knowledge right there. The, the, the Sam Presti worship around the NBA is totally – uh, it's, it's viable. It's valid. It's, it is that it like everybody who works with the thunder in any capacity knows that that organization runs really well. Um, I want to know how he got horn swoggled into taking, um, or, 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 or to keeping Kendrick Perkins, getting rid of James Harden, you know, and all of that came with all of that, letting Scott Brooks coach and letting that team operate the way that they did during what should have been three championships. Yep. you know, for them. Like it's the one thing with Presti. I'm like, yep. man, everything is amazing with him, but what happened when it mattered? Like, how did that, 
happen. And we'll see once he builds this back up if they're truly a competitor. I, I actually completely agree. I think Presti's gotten too long of a leash being allowed to be such a bad team. We're like celebrating a, a him being a smart guy operating a terror. They're still terrible. Like, isn't the name of the game to win? They're still not winning. Like, they're still the, the 10th seed on the road in the, in the second play-in game. So and The answer to your question might actually be an even weirder nugget. It's that he has somehow found his way into like cheap slash bad ownership. It's like he's the yep, cheap slash true bad too. ownership. That's very whisperer. true too. Yep. How did he? How did somebody that talented get paired up with that? And it somehow has worked long term in terms of him keeping his job and having this reputation of doing all these smart things. Brew. Before we get out of here, I want to throw a few quick hitting questions. I don't need explanations, but I need answers. Sure. Okay. Okay. I need we answers. Okay. So we said Pelicans are probably winning that game. Seems like we were both on that side. Who do you have winning the Lakers-Timberwolves game and playing against the Pelicans? I'll go Lakers. Who do you have winning the Lakers versus the Pelicans game in Los Angeles? I mean, who do you have? I mean, it would be the Wolves, rather. Wolves versus Pelicans game. Oh, my God, Brew. Sorry. Who do you have winning the Wolves versus uh, yeah Pelicans game that would take place in Minnesota for the final eight seed to play the Nuggets? Okay, I got a little lost there. We got Wolves. Yeah, so the Wolves are playing the Lakers for the right to drop down and play Memphis, the... which would yeah, which would mean the Wolves then play in the eighth for the eighth seed after losing the first seven eight game against, against the, the winner Pelicans. of nine ten. So we're saying the Pelicans win the first one, the Wolves lose. So they're playing in Minnesota for the right to play the Denver Nuggets in round one. Who do you have making it to that game? Yeah, I was thinking of some line stuff. I'm not going to even go there. I'll I'll take um, New Orleans. Okay, let's do it for the East. We have the Heat versus the Hawks. Are you? I know you're on the Hawks plus five. Are you on the Hawks outright to win that game and secure the seven seed? Hmm. It's dicey. I'm gonna go. Yeah. Okay. So we have Miami Heat playing against the winner. Of the East game between the Chicago Bulls and the Toronto Raptors. Brew, you're on the Bulls plus five. Are you think they're going to win that game outright? No. Okay, so we have Raptors versus Heat. Who makes the playoffs? Raptors versus Heat, and who makes the playoffs? That sounds so familiar. I'll go with the Miami Heat. Okay, so we have the Miami Heat, Atlanta Hawks making it. We have the New Orleans Pelicans and Lakers making it for the playoffs for Brew. Okay, last few sets of predictions. We didn't get a chance to talk your Sacramento Kings, which we spent a lot of time last time you were on the pod. They opened as a plus one on, I mean, a minus one on FanDuel. Kings minus one on FanDuel. Kings plus one on DraftKings. So you could actually get them on either side of the zero. One place they're a favorite, one place they're an underdog. Game one, Warriors Kings brew in your hometown of Sacramento. Who are you taking? I'm going to take the Warriors. It's This is a dicey. I wish we had time to talk about it. Maybe we'll do it again or something. But, like, it, 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 a couple words. DeMontis Sabonis, Stephen Curry. That's all it's going to be. You think You're it's going to eat, eat him alive in the pick and roll? He's going to eat him alive. It's, okay. It's, it is what it is. Okay. Uh, last one for you. This one is... I need your I need your help because I'm considering slamming a line and I haven't touched it yet. The over under for the Brooklyn Nets 76ers game is 216 and a half. Now, I was thinking that this is the spot where I would not only play the over 
but I would play an alternate line and take this all the way up to like over under 229 and I would like sell off 13 points and I would get nearly three to one nice little ladder up escalator odds saying this game's actually going to go way over and it is very mispriced. I see Philadelphia 76ers team that gets to the line a ton with Embiid and, and Harden shoots a lot of free throws. I see Brooklyn Nets as a team with some great knockdown shooters in Curry, in Joe Harris, in Bridges coming off the, the attack. Now they can make a lot of shots. Do you see this game the same way I do? Is there a chance that this 216 actually flies over the total and coming out game two, it's going to be priced around 224 and that we should be slamming this over? Or am I public? Who uh, well, here's the thing. Like it all goes to hell when you don't have anybody to cover Joel Embiid at all. Like it's just going to be a bloodbath down there. And unless they get stupid about it, and I don't think they will, I kind of think they're just going to go out and take care of business and, and that's going to be that. So you're going to be chasing if you're Brooklyn. And that to me starts to, to become an outscoring competition. So I see where you're going with this. Here's my problems that I have with the Nets in general. Their offense is impossible to watch. They're so terrible at running anything you know, offensively, that would be of value. They've literally handed the ball to both Bridges, but not even as much Bridges as Spencer Dinwiddie and let him run isolation. He can get by guys. The question is, is does that result in anything that's efficient and good overall in the aggregate? And the answer has been no with that. And I've just been wondering, like, why are you doing this? And because you could go to Bridges and make him, you know, give him some extra possessions, take him away from Dinwiddie and kind of flatten everything out and maybe also run some stuff. Um, I get why they're not running stuff. I do like the players involved. I like, you know, just the offensive talent that they have. And I think if I was them, I would also be considering running. So I see your points about the over. Um, and then I'm encouraged by your, your willingness to go big. Like, yeah, if this thing is like, I think you're right in the sense this is not priced correctly. Cause the idea that a two, this could be a two sixteen with MB just, gashing them right like how surprised would you be at all if it was 134 to 120 not at all not not at all because of the things that i mean and you're in the you're in the net seat like of course you're going to want to run and beat up and down the floor i wouldn't let the ball hit the ground exactly keep tossing and so does brooklyn have that in their mental repertoire i don't know jock vaughn gets great recommendations from a lot of people and then sometimes i watch and i go why did you just do that <laughs> all game long and so i'm on the fence with whether or not he's a middle pack coach um but the idea that 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 you run the ball against you you gotta make joe joel Embiid is gonna crush you which he's going to yep you make him pay make him run you know get mm-hmm. him into foul trouble get up and down the floor and they do have guys that can get up and down the floor so I would I I think you're on to something with this. Um the only way it doesn't work out is if it gets a, if the game gets really grindy and then Brooklyn just can't get anything right at all. That so would be I, that would a, be the downside. It would be a small play on the escalator, but I do like the two sixteen and a half. I'm happy I got your opinion and a little bit of explanation there because that line has opened there and hasn't moved. So I haven't been able to get, you know, a response from the market as to is my public brain going to match my, you know, sharp betting take and my line movement system of betting. I'm not sure yet. Right now it's where my eyes are are looking. They're getting, they're getting wide. The mouth is getting watery. And I'm like, I think I'm going to hit it, but I was waiting to get some more information. So I appreciate, (laughs) you know, you sharing your takes. 
Uh, thank you for sharing everything you've shared here today. I, yeah, uh, I can. You're you're just doing a fine public service here. There you go. The distribution um, of this hopefully, info. getting the public to stop playing those dumbass parlays. Anyways, Bru, thank oh you for God. joining me Amen today. To I appreciate making this late breakdown. A crew of two with me and Brew. Call us the Brew Crew. We want maybe we can you know cheers a, a yeah, few we'll, 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 we'll brand that. <laughs> uh, we'll have to get DB in here with us as well. Um, oh, I will be sure to hit you back sometime during this playoffs and hope to have you back on the advantage. Thank you again for joining me today. As always, to the rest of the listeners, peace out.